0: You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 46. This is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight and feel better so that you can have the life you want. This is the resource you've been looking for to guide you on the journey to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food. Here's your host, Dr. Katrina Ubel. Hey there, my friend. How are you? Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Remember how we used to tune the radio? That's what that means. Tune in. There's so many funny things like that, right? My kids asked me the other day, why do we say pick up the phone (laughs) or hang it up? right? Like, why do we hang it up? (laughs) Like, well, (laughs) back in our day, we had to hang it up on the wall. That's how it was. And they're like, "Hmm?" (laughs) it's so funny how our lives have changed in just, you know, not that many decades. Anyway, you guys are coming through for me and leaving me some iTunes reviews. It's a slow and steady process, so if you haven't left one, don't think, oh, good, now she can stop talking about it. (laughs) So I still have a lot of room to move. What I've noticed is that many of you are leaving me a star rating, which I really, really appreciate, but not always leaving me the review. So if you have left a star rating and wouldn't mind going back and leaving a quick review, that would be great. But I wanted to share one of the reviews that one of you left that just put a huge smile on my face. And I thought you guys would really appreciate and enjoy hearing it. So the title of it is Life Changing. And the name of the person it says, because you don't have to put your real name, right? You can make something up. It says, we are all the waves. Okay, all smushed together. We are all the waves. And for a split second, I was like, what? (laughs) And then I, I thought, oh, okay, so who remembers Katrina and the waves? Remember walking on sunshine? <laughs> if you're too young, you're going to have no idea what I'm talking about. But that was seriously one of the most special things that happened when I was growing up, that there was something, anything that had my name on it. Because, you know, when you're a kid and you go to those junky, you know, touristy places that have mugs with kids' names on them and keychains and stuff, no one ever had Katrina. So the fact that there was anything that had my name associated with it was very exciting. Plus, it's a fun song. It's totally great. And then, of course, Hurricane Katrina came and, you know, that ruined everything. But still. (laughs) So anyway, I love the creativity on that. We are all the waves. Okay, so here is what she writes. I'm going to assume it's a she. Yeah, it is because she talks about her husband. Okay. I thought I'd listen to this podcast for some weight loss tips. Instead, I have transformed my life. I have learned to view and respond to situations without emotion, even the really frustrating situations I face at work with complex patients and long hours. I've learned to respond to my toddler and husband without feeling irritable, not because I'm suppressing my feelings, but because I have legitimately changed my thinking. I've started sharing this information with patients, friends, and coworkers, and everyone is better for it. After an exceptionally busy day, my husband actually questioned how busy it was because quote, you seem so calm and happy. This isn't like you, unquote. (laughs) I feel so fortunate to have come across this podcast, although I wish I had learned it sooner. I will definitely be sharing these methods with my daughter. Thank you so much for that review. I love that. Right? When people start going, what's going on with you? (laughs) I want some of what you've got. This sounds great. You seem like you're doing really, really awesome. And I agree. I mean, I wish I had learned all this stuff sooner. But then I just think, well, but then I wouldn't have had the same life experience I've had. And I wouldn't change anything because it's made my life what it is today, which is amazing. So So I agree. I definitely agree that teaching these things to our children will be just a complete life-changing experience for them. They, of course, won't appreciate it because they won't know any different. But I mean, what a gift to give to them, right? So good. So thanks so much. We are all the waves (laughs) for leaving me that. I love it. All right. Today, we're going to talk about what comes next after you've been through a storm you know, like an emotional storm. And what I mean by a storm is a difficult time in your life. And this could be something that was excruciatingly painful, or it could be something that was less intense, but definitely something that was a difficult time. And so you know that I've talked about that a little bit on episode 12. So if you haven't Listen to episode 12. You might want to go back and listen to that. Like how we work through that when we're in the thick of it. And so we do. We work through it and we kind of come through on the other end, not necessarily done with our grieving process or the difficult emotions that we experience, but more resolving them. It's not quite as intense. We're much more moving on with our regular daily lives than focusing on. Those emotions that we were having. And so as we work through that, we're changed as humans. I mean, there's no way you can go through difficult times in your life and not come out changed in some way. And sometimes the way that we're changed can be for the better, right? Sometimes we're changed for the worse. I think for a lot of us, it's kind of some of both, right? But that experience ultimately gets incorporated into our day-to-day thinking, which can sometimes create a lot more emotional pain for us than just the emotional pain that we experienced from going through that storm. So I'm going to give you a personal example. So those of you who've listened to episode 12 know that I lost a baby. I had a full-term stillborn baby girl named Vivian back in 2010. So if you want details on that, then Head up episode 12. That's where I talk more about that. So I went through that whole process, which was definitely storm, definitely emotionally, extremely painful. And I definitely didn't want to end my childbearing years on that note. I wanted to try again and have another baby. And we had done in vitro to get pregnant with Vivian. So we pretty much knew we were going to have to do it again we didn't really want to take a lot of time, try and get on our own. So we right away pretty much wanted to go ahead with it as soon as the doctors would let us. And it was advised to us from several people that for a number of reasons, a number of good reasons that we should wait at least six months to get pregnant again. And so we did do that, but pretty much right six months and I was back in that office ready to go. And I felt a lot of emotional tension, a lot of worry, right? Then I got pregnant, it worked. And then there was even more emotional tension and even more worry. And in general, I am not that anxious of a person, of course, I worry like any person does, but I wouldn't say that I'm a really anxious, you know, high anxiety kind of a person. So it was really kind of a new experience for me to feel filled with so much worry that I might lose the baby again, that something I was doing might cause some problem, over analyzing things, really, really wanting this baby to be okay. And so there are some things that I did get through this difficult time. It was a long nine months. I went to a pregnancy after loss support group. And that was monthly. And it was kind of like a monthly touch point. I didn't even necessarily feel like I needed a lot of the discussion there. But to me, it was kind of like, well, I'm back here again, another month's gone by, and I'm still pregnant. It was kind of like a way of like marking it off, checking it off, still pregnant. And so during that pregnancy, at one point, after this baby was viable, I didn't feel like the baby was moving. And so of course, that completely freaked me out. And I called my OB's office and went in to get checked out. And the whole time, I was just telling myself one thing that felt really, really true in that moment. And that thought was, I can't bury another child. And in my mind, I just couldn't go through it again. It had just happened. It wasn't that long before. And I thought there was no possible way for me to repeat that whole experience of losing a baby and come out the other end in one piece. You know, like if I lost another baby, it would break me. <laughs> like I I put myself back together the first time, I will not be able to do that if this happens again. And so thankfully, the baby was fine. And he was born and he became my second son. But after a few months, it became clear that he had some developmental issues when he was little. So he first struggled with nursing. And that was a whole thing. But we worked through that and came up with something that worked for both of us. But then he was late to sit up, he was late to crawl, and late to pull to standing and late to walk. And at his nine month checkup, I remember one of my old partners saw us and after asking the developmental questions about what he could do, he said to me, so he's globally delayed. And you can imagine that totally set me off into another, you know, I can't bury another child situation, right? I was (laughs) smack dab in I can't bury another child land. My brain went to the absolute worst place. I don't know why my brain clung to this, but I was so terrified that he had spinal muscular atrophy, or some other terrible thing that was not going to work out well for him. And then, you know, not work out well for me, because I'd have to bury another child. So you can imagine how scared I was. And I kept telling myself, I can't bury another child, I can't bury another child, I can't bury another child. I was really spun out with these delays. It was very, very challenging for me. And you can imagine, I mean, my other, my daughter hadn't even been dead two years yet at this point. And then one of my other partners, thankfully, I reached out to him and I just told him what was going on and said, I'm really, really scared. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm doing the right things or what. And he really, really helped me. And, you know, thinking back, I wonder, I mean, he's just a great guy, but I also just wonder if he approached me the way he did because he'd gone through some significant health scares with both of his own children, that maybe he kind of knew sort of what I was going through or was able to help me through that. But he was so great because he didn't just say to me, everything will be fine. Don't worry about it. Why are you worrying? It's all good. He said, okay, grab his chart, because of course, we're still on paper charts, grab his chart, I want to see, tell me what he's doing, I want to look at his growth curve, I want to see what's going on here. And he really took on the role of the watcher or the observer for me, right? Because I couldn't do that. I couldn't get myself out of it in that moment to really think rationally or really question what my thoughts were. And he was able to do that to look and think rationally about it and make sure nothing was getting missed. He didn't want to blow something off that really was a problem because it it was possible that really something was going on. And then he told me what he thought and what he saw, which was that things were okay. And we were making progress. There was really no reason to panic. There was no reason to do anything else. And that was really, really helpful just because I changed my thinking, right? I wasn't going into something's really bad that's going to end up ultimately resulting in the demise of this child. Like he's he's fine. All signs right now are pointing to he's going to be fine. And so then I changed my thinking, which made me feel better. And now he's six years old and he's doing great. He's totally fine. And then two years after I had him, I got pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> And then I had the requisite baby isn't moving visit. I always had the panic one for each of those, those two kids. And I was so scared again. And once again, I told myself I can't bury another child because I knew that she was a girl, right? So then I had additional worries that, well, here's my chance to have a girl. And again, and you know, I might lose her too because she's a girl. And it's not like I ever had this huge dream to have a girl, but it's kind of like the way I felt about it was I didn't even know I wanted a girl until I was going to have one. And then I had gotten really excited about it. And so I was excited again about having a daughter. So totally right back until I can't bury another child. And then once she was born, that kind of settled down. Those thoughts settled down again. And then last year, when my oldest son turned 11, I, I wanted to say we decided, but really it was me. I decided that he was ready to ride his bike to places like to his piano lessons and places like that if the weather was cooperating. And I have this belief that it's important for kids to learn their bikes, not because it's fun, but because it's kind of their first sense of, of independence, right? Like we don't want the first time that they ever go and do anything by themselves to be when they have car keys in their hands at age 16, right? (laughs) We want them to have the leash lengthened gradually so that they are able to learn some of that independence gradually. And the way most kids do that is by riding their bikes. So I had thought at age 10, that it would be a good idea for him to ride to his piano lessons. But then the more I thought about it, the more nervous it made me. There's a fairly busy street he would have to cross. And you know how drivers are. People are on their phones, are not paying attention. And so I was kind of nervous about it. Hadn't really instituted it. And then I literally was planning on having him ride his bike the next week to piano when the news revealed a story about a 10 year old boy, so the same age, who had died riding his bike to swim lessons, or swim team in Madison, so not that far from here. And he had gotten hit by car on his bike. And I was like, nope, we're done not doing it. And I was trying to control my circumstances, right? Trying to control his life, so that I could feel better. Because then I worried that something bad would happen to him. And you may recall, I think I've told you on this podcast that I can't bury another child, right? So then of course, I'm not gonna let him do that. So another year passed. And of course, where we live, you know, biking is is maybe if you're lucky, a six month season. (laughs) So winter passes. And now he's 11. And I'm thinking, okay, I have to do this. I have to let him go. This is just I can't keep doing this forever. It's not like it's going to feel so much better when he's 16 and driving a car, I'll probably be even more frightened. So what we decided to do was to let him do this. Okay. (laughs) I knew I could not let fear keep me from letting him develop into this self sufficient human being. So We reviewed all kinds of safety measures and how he would cross streets, and that he would make eye contact with stopped cars before he crossed so that he knew that they saw him. And that, of course, he would wear his helmet and all of that. And this is a great kid, okay? I mean, this is a kid who's conscientious, and I really had no need to be so worried, but my brain thought it needed to be so worried. So the first time, I say goodbye, he grabs his stuff, and I watch him out the window, pedal away down the driveway. And my brain tells me, what if that was the last time you ever see him alive? Right? Thanks, brain. Nice thought error there, right? Followed by, I can't bury another child. So this is six years after Vivian died. And I really think it's normal to have thoughts like these for a while after an experience like what I went through. But really at a certain point, It seemed like I had just adopted this thought as fact without considering whether or not it served me, whether it had a purpose in my life, whether it was giving me the results that I wanted. It was something that felt very, very true, and I just kept believing it. So I spent some time evaluating this thought because you can imagine that first piano lesson, I was a nervous wreck. And I even had the piano teacher text me when he got there, text me when he left. And it's not that far. (laughs) I still thought, okay, clearly I need to do some work on this thought. And of course, by this point, I was a life coach and knew what work to do. So I decided to question it. And this is what I came up with. That thought was a lie. I absolutely could bury another child. Scores of women before me have buried more than one of their children. So when I took the drama out of it and looked at the math, I could see that it definitely could happen that another one of my children would die before I did. And that I not only could bury that child, but I would do it. It would feel absolutely horrible. I'd be right back in incredibly intense emotional pain. And it might even be worse than it was the first time. But my heart would keep pumping and my lungs would keep exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide and my body would live. So this meant that this belief that I couldn't bury another child was just a lie that I had decided to tell myself so often that I believed it. And that lie created so much worry and anxiety and emotional pain and drama in my life. If you haven't listened to episode 37, where I explain the concept of math versus drama, then be sure to go back to that one to make sure you really understand what I'm talking about here. But it's incredible how much relief I felt once I changed my thought to, I might have to bury another child and I would do it. It's not a rosy, feel good kind of a thought, right? (laughs) but it's reality. It really is the reality. And I can work to accept reality. When I believed that lie that I couldn't bury another child, it made me want to control my children's lives. And that is never good, right? I didn't want to let my son ride his bike, not even that far, (laughs) 10 minute bike ride. And we can Come across as kind of creepy and needy when we're trying to control our children's lives so much and really anybody's lives so much. So, I remember one time meeting a new physical therapist for my little guy who was delayed. I so badly wanted her to think a certain way about him and our family and give me the news that I wanted that I was totally not acting like myself. I seriously wonder what she thought. (laughs) She left and I remember just thinking, why was I so weird? I was embarrassed for myself. And now I know why. I was trying to control what she thought of us in an attempt to hear the good news that I wanted to hear so that I wouldn't have to worry that I might have to bury another child. And of course, we cannot control what anyone else thinks about us ever no matter what we do. And so I work all the time to remember that my children are on their own life journey. And my job is purely to love them and to provide them with opportunities. What they take away from these opportunities is literally none of my business. But when I make it my business and decide that they need to turn out a certain way or have a certain set of beliefs or values when they're grown up, then I'm trying to control them. I'm thinking I know what's best for them better than they do. And we do this for lots of people, right? We do this for our parents, especially as they're aging, we think we know what's better for them than they do. And sometimes we might, right? If your aging parent has dementia, you probably do know better, right? But a lot of times we really don't. Or we often think we know better than our patients do and how they should act. But really, we don't, we're there to just provide them with information. And then it's up to them to decide what's best for them. And so really, any relationship we have with anybody, this applies. And even my youngest, my four year old, because I can imagine some of you thinking, wait a minute, my little kids, no, they don't know. it's so easy for us to think that we know better than they do about what they need. My four year old, this girl, seriously, she suddenly has developed a furnace for a metabolism or something because she is so hot all the time. And so she suddenly doesn't want to wear a jammie top. You know, she doesn't want to wear her pajama top, just the bottoms. She literally is just sleeping with nothing on top. Or it's Wisconsin here. It's definitely into the thirties or low forties and she doesn't want to wear a coat. And when I make it my business, I fight with her about wearing a pajama shirt because I think she's going to get cold. And then she ends up just taking it off anyway, because she's too hot, right? She knew what she needed. When I make her wear her coat, she whines and complains about how hot she is. And can I turn on the AC the whole time, (laughs) the whole way we're going to school? But I can provide her with an opportunity to be warm with a coat if she decides she's cold by bringing her coat with instead of thinking I know better than she does. And if her choice ultimately doesn't work out very well for her, then that's a natural consequence from her, for her. If I bring the coat and she is really, really cold and uncomfortable, she learns that coats help you stay warm. And sometimes she might want to choose to wear a coat. It doesn't figure me into the equation at all. It's really just her decision. And this ends up helping her to develop into an independent and self-reliant adult which is what we all want for our children anyway, right? So my own clients struggle with similar issues. Right now I've been coaching many of my clients on similar issues. And not just if they've lost a child, but after going through anything really difficult in their lives, losing a parent, going through a relationship breakup, leaving a work environment that was really difficult any of those. They went through a really challenging and painful time in their lives and they don't want to repeat that pain. So they tell themselves they can't go through something like that again. And in the process, create a lot of drama and live in other people's businesses and try to control other people in the assumption that when they do that, they can make sure something bad won't happen again. And unfortunately, we just don't have that power. So there's really no upside to thinking this way. It creates more emotional pain, instead of sparing us emotional pain, which is what we think we're doing when we think that way. I'm going to repeat this because it's so huge. When we think we have this power, it creates More emotional pain instead of sparing us emotional pain, which is what we think we're doing, which is what we want. So if you find yourself repeating certain thoughts or beliefs to yourself, especially after you've been through a storm, Take some time to do a thought download on them, question them from a place of curiosity and interest and love and compassion for yourself and do models on those thoughts and then decide if they really serve you. If you like the results that those thoughts create for you or not. And if you're going through a storm right now, all the more reason to question and evaluate the thoughts that keep coming up for you, because over time, they'll develop into your new beliefs. Remember, beliefs are just thoughts that you've thought so many times that you believe them. So if you can be intentional and deliberate about deciding which thoughts to believe, then you're going to choose ones that serve you in the future and moving forward which is going to only benefit you in the long run. So I hope that this is helpful for those of you who are still working through some difficult times or find that there's still those little seeds left over from those difficult times that keep coming up for you. Such good work to work through this and create so much peace, which is really what ultimately we want. All right, you guys have a fantastic, wonderful week, and I will talk to you next week. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Now, take the next step and go to Katrinaubellmd.com to download just what you need. Join us again next week for more support to keep you in control and on the path to freedom around food.